Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Faithful and wonderful King, great are you, Lord. Father, we give you all the glory, we give you all the worship. He said you're the word that became flesh and dwelt among men. Father, Lord, we ask that you would dwell among us today in the mighty name of Jesus. You are the living word of God. Father, we pray that you will give life to your word today. Lord, we pray that the word that transforms, the word that convicts, the word that teaches, the word that redirects, the word that guides. Father, we pray that you will release in our midst in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you be glorified and not me, Lord. Have your way, Heavenly Father. Teach us your word, Father. In Jesus' most precious name that we have prayed. Amen, amen, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. We can have our seat, please. Um, I just want to give thanks to God once again. Um, you know, it's, I'm still kind of gathering information as to this month and how God has made a prayer month for us and asked us as a church to dedicate this month to pray. And you know, I've been spending a lot of time, quiet time, seeking God's face. And he's just been opening my heart to a lot of things. And I just, I just believe that, first of all, I want us to understand that this month is actually a month to rebuild our relationship with God. Um, me as a person, it's been... Last week has just been quite a journey for me and redirecting me and rebuilding me even in the place of prayer with him. So I just want us to take this opportunity that God is saying that it being a prayer month is actually to restructure ourselves again and to better our communication with him as a church and as individuals. So I pray that the Lord gives us grace in the mighty name of Jesus. Our topic for today is the heart of an intercessor. The heart of an intercessor. Um, I'm just going to link it back to last week. We left, Pastor left it last week by saying that if God, he asks us a question. He said, if God does everything that you are asking of him, so pretty much everything that you think of in the next 50 years of your life or 60 years, he does everything for you, would you still pray to God? So, what he, the, the question he left us with was, what is prayer to you? Is prayer a way of, you know, asking God for something, which is not bad because he's our father, but is that just the only thing that prayer is to you as a person? And so I want us to also ask, that have you ever thought about what does God want you know, it's very easy for us to say, God, I want this, I want that. But have you ever come to a place in your Christian journey where you actually don't care about what you want, but more about what God wants? And we'll just be speaking more about that in today's um, sermon. One thing that I just want us to point out to us, first of all, before we go any further, is an intercessor is someone who stands in the gap for others. So pretty much what an intercessor would do is they will plead.
plead on behalf of a person, of a nation, of people, of an household, of a government, of a system, of a ministry, of the body of Christ. That is the job of an intercessor. They stand and they plead on behalf of us. Now, an intercessor would not just, you know, to be able to do that, it requires the heart. An intercessor will carry the burden of another. So you know how you're passionate about what you want. You know, you're passionate about, you know, I want God to do this for me. And you take that passion to the place of prayer. If I'm to act as an intercessor and I don't have that same passion that, that you carry, it might be a bit difficult to relay that message. So what I'm saying in essence is an intercessor will carry the emotions for another person. And to be able to do that, you need love. There's no way, you know, God had to expose me this week to some things that I thought that I'd, you know, I have it together. And I enjoy, I'm so, I, I'm so pleased when God actually opens my eyes to a lot of things about myself to help me grow as a person, which I will be sharing later on as we go on. But as a parent would teach their children the language, you know how Nigerians will teach our children a native language. Love is the first language God teaches his children. Love is the first language. And that's why, you know, Jesus, when, 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 when God said that, you know what? For God so loved the world that he gave his son. The common language, the common divine language is love. When God received you, he said, we love him because he first loved us. So what I'm saying is, I did not give my life to Christ because I don't want to go to hell, which is a good thing. But I gave my life to Christ because, you know, I know that Jesus loves me. And I gave my life to him as a result of that. So before God say, you know what, I want you to exhibit love. is actually showing us love. Can we, can I have the thing please, sorry. Thank you. First John, he said, he who does not love does not know God. For God is love. It is very explicit. So basically, if you don't have love within you. Now, I know that there are levels to love. Love will always expand. But he's saying if you do not have love, you do not know God. For God is love. The love of God is what keeps the world together. As we said that prayer is... A commandment. Last week we said that prayer is a commandment and we established that prayer is a commandment. Can I also break it to us that love is a commandment? So it is not optional to love. You are built to love. And I said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Now, he went and said, he said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. It comes with a clause. He said, you are my friend if 
Not saying you are my friend because if you do this, is what makes you, you know how we, we like to say that I am a friend of God. How do you define what friendship is? This is how you define friendship. If you do whatever I command, which is also to love. So he says, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. And that's why Abraham is a friend of God. Abraham is a true intercessor. You know, for God to say that I would call Abraham and tell him, Abraham, you know, I, I'm thinking of doing this. Did you not think if God really wanted to do it, like his first, his major plan was actually to destroy. He would not seek anyone. But God knows that there will always be somebody like Abraham that doesn't just care about himself but cares about how I feel. God did not want to destroy them. He had to destroy them. Because if you read the scripture, it said that the, the cry of those people had come to my ears. So God had, had, had to intervene at that point. It was not his choice to destroy and that's why the Lord, and that's why sometimes when, I remember there was a time, um, it was two, three years ago, when Selena's Lynn, and God gave us a vision about, to pray for America, that there was going to be flood. And it did happen, but it wasn't as massive, but, and, I'm, and we prayed then, but I remember going back, and I was thinking that we only prayed that prayer once, we should have just carried on praying that prayer. Because we stand as an intercessor. And an intercessor will not just have one day pray and think that's it. So for God to reveal that, give us that revelation, is because it is not God's will to destroy or to bring flood, but he's expecting a man. There's so many times that a pastor has established it in church that God will know that God cannot do. God will not do any, some things, certain things, until man intervenes. Because he has given us authority to control the earth. This is our realm. So we control it. That is the job of an intercessor. So he says that I call you friend if you will obey my commandment. Okay, well, I'm just, well there's no point reading it because I've just kind of said, talked through it. Okay, I'll read this. And the Lord said... Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because their sin is very grave. I will go down and see whether I've done altogether. According to the outcry against it. And has come to me. Now when, you see, a, an intercessor will make sacrifices. God called Abraham and said, you know what? Sacrifice your son for me. And what he did was, he did not think twice. He said, God, I will do as you please. And this was the whole of chapter 18 down to 26. He was literally negotiating with God. Because he loves God's people. And he cared about God's feelings. He cared about what God feels. We're going to go to... John 15. 
I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does not bear fruit. So what God is saying is, I am the vine. You are within me. So it is your responsibility to bear fruit. Bearing fruit is not optional. It is a responsibility. Which will bring us to how then do we bear fruit? He said that every brand that bears fruit, he prunes. The ones that does not bear fruit, it takes away. So how do we bear fruit? What is God's intention for his people? God's intention is that all men be saved. It is God's intention that all men be saved. So the, the, the Bible verses are just all over the place. Is that all men be saved. There is a scripture there that talks about how God, God says that this is my will that people be saved. It is my will that souls are turned back to me, to my kingdom. If we look at the book of 1 Timothy, he said, therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, and intercessions. Now we're going to take it one at a time. He said, first of all, meaning it is priority. That supplications, prayers, and intercession and giving thanks be made for all men so it is not just for Christians it's good to pray for the body of Christ but he's saying it has to be done for all men meaning the whole world now he say for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life if we were to join these two together, what God is saying is, when you first of all do these things, pray and intercede, what God is saying is, you will lead a peaceable life. Because when you pray for kings and all those in authority, when you use your prayer to turn things around, so literally what God is saying is, the peace of a nation the well-being of his people are left to his intercessors. Because then you're able, to live, you're able to live a peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. So as we intercede, God is saying, I, I, am, I want you to pray that souls be saved. I want you to pray that lives be turned around so that you can live a peaceable life. So that people will live in godliness and in holiness. Intercession is a powerful tool that is given to us as Christians. Last week we talked about how, you know, prayer is 
is connecting to heaven and exercising your authority in the place of prayer. Now, as Christians, the devil has power but has no authority. Now, where we come into place is to use, exercise the authority that we have. So when the devil has a plan, the intention of God is that we, we exercise the authority to turn things around, to change situations. But I will go back to the heart of an intercessor. Because yes, an intercessor will do all of these things. But an intercessor has got a role to play. An intercessor must have certain qualities to be able to do all of these things. First of all, an intercessor is God-centered and not self-centered. So the way an intercessor will live their life is, you know, I know we say this a lot and we say God first. And it's not true. If we search within ourselves, there's so many times that, you know, coming to church is not just God first. I know we, we interpret this as if I come to church or, you know, if, if I give offering instead of me buying a gift for myself, that's me putting God first. No. It's part of it. But if you actually understand what putting God first is, when something will hurt you within yourself, when you feel the pain of what you're doing, that's when you realize that you're putting God first. You know, I went through something this week. On, on Sunday, stroke Monday morning, I actually had a dream. And I had a terrible dream about someone that is not necessarily someone that I talk to. And it's actually not necessarily someone that I know wishes me well. So when God, had to, when God revealed the dream to me, he gave me a permission. Like he, I, even without saying, I knew I had to pray for that person. But what I'm trying to say is, I called pastor and I said, pastor, can we pray about this? I had this terrible dream. And as we were doing the prayer, I felt a bit weird because, you know, I was trying to pray for the person, but when you know it's not coming from the depth of your heart. And I've, I did find that so strange because if you know me well enough, you will know that when it comes to praying for people, wake me up anytime, I would, I would join in the prayer. That's the, I love praying. Especially when it comes to interceding for people, I enjoy doing it. And, you know, I found myself in positions where I would quarrel with someone, but I would still pray for them. So I, I could not understand or fathom why I would feel that way about praying for this person. And God had to expose me to say, you know what, it's different to pray for someone that you had a row with or that you know you love, but you just had a little row with and you know, you know you're going to get over it any time. But how about you, how about I take it another notch forward and say, you know what, how, how about pray for someone that you know does not wish you well? Then how do you react to that? 
And I was like, oh God. I, didn't, I actually did not think that I had that within me. I thought I'd had it covered. I, I thought, you know, I have, I have the love of God. And at that point in time, I had to move away from being self-centered and God-centered. Because if it was left to me, if it was left to my flesh, whatever happens, happens. But I had to think about, you know, what is God's plan for this person? You know, when we're actually praying for the enemy, and I'm not talking about um, powers of darkness and actually the spirit. I'm not talking, I'm, I'm talking about people that you think hate you. You know, when we pray evil against them. Have you ever for one second take a minute and say, you know what? God, what exactly is your plan for this person? Before I pray that God would destroy them. Is your plan, because it, it says, it said that all men be saved. So before I turn around and say, you know what? I actually don't, I don't care about this person's life. First of all, what is God's intention for them? What exactly is God's plan for this person? So number one is to be God-centered. Intercession was a very, it was a culture in the early church. So sometimes I cannot fathom why the church now has drifted away from interceding. That was the culture. That was how the church survived. That was how, there was a scripture that I read that talked about, they turned everywhere upside down. They turned, literally, they were in charge. They were, the disciples were not in government, but they were controlling what was going on in the government. Just by interceding. The church, if the church really takes this seriously, whatever goes on in parliament, we can decide it here. Because we have that authority. And it is the prayer that actually, you know, if, if, we, if we think about, if we think about how we hear about this bad news and all that is going on, I always say something. If there are no intercessors, things will be worse than it is. That if there are more intercessors, there will be less of this going on. Because if I filled my gap and you filled your gap, when God wakes you up at 3 a.m. in the morning, you're not actually thinking about yourself, but you're thinking about God. What area are you trying, what am I supposed to be covering in prayer at the moment? And God leads you into that. That is what an intercessor does. Peter was in prison and all the church had to do was just gather. Literally the whole prison broke loose. Because the church gathered. When the church gathers, something happens, things changes. Number two, an intercessor loves God and his people. An intercessor loves God. So how, my question is, how do you quantify the love of God? There is no way you can intercede with, you know, our definition is of, of, of I love God is different from what loving God is. We love God by mouth. 
If God says, drop this and do this, would you say, yes, I love you enough to drop it? You know, at the moment for me, what really, what really is my priority is becoming a solicitor. So if God is telling me, Laulu, drop this and just, just do, 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 what, do what I've given to you to do in the church and just drop it, would, would I be willing to sacrifice that? And say, you know what, I will still be happy even if I drop this. Because I know God loves me enough. And I will give everything to him. So without agape, you cannot intercede. Because there is no way, you know, when, after I'd gone through that phase in prayer, the second day I called pastor again, so we were like, we're going to pray for this person every day of the week. So the second day I prayed for pastor, I called pastor and I said, let's pray again. But before I got to that point, I had to pray for myself. And that's why the Bible says, it said that, that you be renewed, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what you're doing is, the mind needs to be refreshed daily. So when I saw that there was still something there that was, that was still hindering me from delivering what God has given to me, I had to beg God and say, God, give me the strength and the love. And so when I prayed for that person the second day, it felt normal. I was passionate in prayer. And even after I'd finished praying with pastor, I prayed again. Because I wanted to see how I felt if it was, if, if it was actually normal. I felt normal. What am I trying to say is, love, you can't just sit down and do nothing and say, you know what, I'm going to grow in love. No, you have to, you have to make an effort to grow in love. Before you fell in love with your partner, they had to buy you flowers and, you know, text you every morning. Do all this stuff before you actually grew in love. And even before you get to the place, you, see, you, you just didn't randomly start doing things for them. You also made an effort to get closer. And that was how you, you know, that's how some, some women say, you know, I'm trying not to be close to this person, so I'm going to guard my heart. And their way of guarding their heart is actually not talking to the person. Or not picking their calls, whatever. But what am I saying is, even as human beings, the way that we love is by actions, is how your love grows. So if you're trying to grow in love of God and for God, you take the steps. Now I know that it's not difficult. I, have over, I overcame this week. Now I know even the person that I know that wants me dead, I will still pray for them. Because I had to take that action this week. I didn't even think I, I had that, that comma there. God had to expose me. So as we sit here, what are the things that will still hinder you from, you know, sharing the love of God, showing the love of God, interceding for your enemies, interceding for the nation? It's not about, it's not my business, I just do whatever I want. Because if you are to carry their pain to God, you need to genuinely feel it. You need to have a heart for, for, for that person. You have to be compassionate. You have to be compassionate. So you take a position. The position you take is not, God, what do you want to do for me? But what do you want to do through me? 
Because as Christians, we cannot always, it can't, it, see, everything does not revolve around you. So if every time, I bet God is frustrated with selfish Christians because there's a lot of us out there. But I want us to start thinking about, you know what, God, the people that dedicate their time interceding, they barely pray for themselves and their life is perfect. Almost perfect, if not perfect. So, have you ever thought about how, okay, if they're not praying for themselves, or they're praying two minutes for themselves, and they're actually praying two hours for the nation and for other people, how come their life is this good? And I am spending hours praying for myself, and I'm still struggling. Have you ever thought about it? Because they're about their father's business. An intercessor is bold. An intercessor is bold. You're approaching the altar of prayer with boldness. And I know we did a topic, we did a sermon about, you know, how then do you approach with boldness? And we talked about how, you know, first of all, you need to know your word. Because if you're sure about what God's word is, what, what God's revelation is, and you know that this is the will, this is the perfect will of God, then you can approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness. An intercessor is bold. An intercessor is consistent. They don't give up halfway. All this perboiling Christians or prayer that we do, if you understood, even some, some of this um, T.D. Jakes that have like great churches now, they had to build that altar to the point and they kept praying. If you hear the story of Ayakilome, how um, it was about two, three people that was doing the, the whole church. For years, they, were, it, they weren't even more than 10 people that was, in, that, was, that was worshiping in the church. But they kept building that altar. Now, Christ embassies all over the world. If they had said, you know what, it's 10 of us, it's two years, it's still 10 of us. You know what, let us pack up and go and join other churches. They will not win this amount of souls that they have won today. So consistency in the place of prayer, where you pray till it comes to pass, where you pray till you, it, 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 it comes to fruition, until you see it happen, you don't stop praying. Until you see a change made, you don't stop calling on to God over that situation. If it takes you five, ten years, you keep doing it till you see it. So long you know it is the perfect will of God, you keep pursuing it. Having boldness and consistency in the place of prayer. The job of an intercessor is to actually remind God of his promises. And that's why if you see intercessors, they actually, they, they're very grounded in the word of God. And so when prophecies comes to them or revelation comes to them, they see it through the word of God and they know. So when they're approaching prayer, they know this is the will of God. And these are the promises of God. An example is Esther. 
She didn't think that, oh, because she was a queen at the time, you know. She said, you know, I will fast and pray. Mordecai, you to join me in prayer. And we will save this people. And they kept on doing it. So she saw that um, um, Amen, his life literally was ended. They didn't stop. So you don't stop until you see it happen. You don't stop until you see it happen. He said the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the children of men. So that scripture is saying that God has given, God controls what happens in heaven. But what goes on here on earth, he has given to his children to control what goes on. My question for us is how do you use your authority? How do you control what goes on? How do you control what goes on? And I've spoken about this. It's just scriptures to back them up. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you. So you know that they're spitefully using you, but you're still praying for them. That you may be the sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So for you to be classified as a, fa- as a son of your father in heaven, it is your role. He actually points, he said, to pray for those who spitefully use you. It is a hard request. But I'm saying, as we live here today, I want us to begin to carry a heart of God, the heart of an intercessor. Transforming ourselves as intercessors. He said, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. We are the watchmen. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. So you are supposed to continually keep praying and give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise. United Kingdom is our Israel, is our Jerusalem. Nigeria is our Jerusalem. The world is our Jerusalem. So he said, I have set watchmen. So would you classify yourself as a watchman? They shall never hold the peace day or night. You would, you would continually to mention the name of the Lord and you will not keep silent. Till you see these things happen. 
till you see these things happen. It's a praying always with all prayer and supplications in the spirit. Being watchful to this and with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. We're going to go into 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm just going to skip this. It said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I'm just going to leave the rest and just stay on the word, the royal priesthood. God is saying that we are a royal priesthood. Being a royalty is inherited, is, is an inheritance. So if you're born by a king or queen, you automatically become a prince. You don't have to do anything. You don't even have to be a perfect child. You just have to be a child of a king or a queen. But I'm going to stretch a bit more on priesthood. A priest is chosen. What am I trying to say is, first of all, being a child of God, we are royalties because our father is a king in heaven. So, you know, when we have to say that we didn't pray for our salvation, pretty much when God, when God sacrificed, when Christ was sacrificed and we gave our life to Christ, we automatically, just by giving our lives to Christ, we become sons and daughters of a king, making us princes and princesses. So that's established. So you didn't have to do anything. But when it comes to priesthood, you are chosen and you are specially appointed for it. So as a royal priesthood, you have enjoyed, first of all, a privilege of becoming a royalty. But then acting as a priest comes with responsibilities. If you are appointed to do something, if you fail to do it, they remove you. So, you know, Harry chose to leave. But even if Harry decided not to do anything for the rest of his life, just to see, eat, and drink, he would still be a prince. But if he decides not to take his role in terms of doing the work of charity, that all the things that he does, that comes with it, the responsibility that comes with that role, if he fails to do it, he will be replaced, not as a prince, but, but whatever he's supposed to be doing at that point will be given to another person. So what I am trying to say is, before I then move on with priesthood, is that when the Bible calls you a royal priesthood, what God is saying is, as a priest, you have a responsibility that comes with it. I have not appointed you to sit around. I have appointed you to do something. You are chosen to control the nation. You are chosen 
to turn the hearts of men to God. You are chosen. You know, when Harry was going to leave, he said it is his desire to continue to serve the queen. So, what our role is, is to serve God, but then serving God by doing what God asks of us. Serving God by, you know, going to the place of prayer and saying, God, what exactly do you want? Like, what do you want from me? And you'd be surprised that God will begin to lay, you know, the reason why, you know, sometimes, I know our excuse could be, God doesn't really tell me to pray about these things. So I just pray for myself because I know that I need this. But if you actively go in the place of prayer and say, God, what are you asking of me? You'd be surprised how God would download a lot of things. Even if you just started, if you just start the prayer on its own, God will start to flood things in. As a priest. Now, a priest, I'm we're going to, oh yes, the image is there. A priest, in what the priest does in the Old Testament was they, the priest is the one that's allowed to go to the holy place and the holy of holies. But then when they go there, they have to dress up. They have to dress up in a certain manner how God has prescribed for them to dress and what a priest would do is whatever it, what, they have a breastplate on, on the chest and the breastplate is the 12, the 12 stones the 12 tribes of Israel so this is basically what's on the chest of the priest carrying the name of each tribes so the priest is meant to approach the holy of holies facing God and presenting the tribe of Israel to God in prayer. So when the others stay in the outer part and you know they're, they're waiting for the priest to come out, all their petition is what the priest will take to the holy of holies. Now, there's a reason why this is not on the feet or shoulder of the priest. There is a reason why God placed it, specifically asked that it be placed upon the chest. Because you carry this people in your heart. If the priest did not care about this people, the people standing outside waiting for him to speak to God on their behalf. If he does not have the right heart, there is no way he would be able to deliver the message of those people. What I am saying is, I do not know where God is calling you to. Or what God is asking you to intercede for. But what I am saying is it cannot be done unless it comes from within. What I am saying is if you do not carry this as a burden upon yourself. 
if you do not place this on your heart, it will be almost impossible to intercede. You know, before, before I joined Dear Blessing, I've always believed in evangelizing and actually going out to preach to people. And I loved doing it. It was never a problem because from my past churches, we used to do it. So we go out and we do it. But God had to make me understand that you have to do it even more so because your heart is there. Because you do not want men to perish. And so when I encountered, I, I was praying one morning and I saw men perishing, going to hell. And I also saw same vision. I saw that people, they were literally dragging. There was tons of people, so many of them. And God was telling me that the person that they're following is leading them into destruction. But what was surprising was they were in a large temple. But inside that temple, people were just dragging them in the wrong direction. And as I was in that vision, I was in tears. I just could not stop crying. And God was telling me that if, I do not, if you do not do what I have asked of you, this will be what will be the portion of these people. And so when I decide, so whenever I step out to go and evangelize to people, I'm stepping out because I know that the plans of God for these people is so that they do not perish. And it will remain upon my heart. So as I round up this message, in order to see the Levites, the, 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 the Issachars, they, they're very, they're, 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 they're the tribes of Israel, but they have different, literally different characteristics. They're different people. And what God is saying is, I, you, I will send you to diverse people. People of different race, of different colors, of different language. Of different background, of different culture. But even in your differences, you will still have the ability to carry the matter upon your heart. No matter how different they are. Because the message of God is that all men be saved. And the reason why you would intercede. And you know, now that Brexit is done, we don't even know what's going to happen. Everyone is just praying to God that things go on right. But can I just say that if the church would decide to stand up, and intercede and control what happens next. It will be, see, there's no point, Christians can complain. There is no point seeing destructions happening and saying, oh God, why? You know, it shouldn't have happened. Uh, oh, I don't know what these people are doing. There is no point for us to gather and chit-chat about Brexit, unless it's going to help my coursework. There's no point chit-chatting about Brexit, if it's not going to be in the favor of God's people. 
Because instead of wasting that one hour talking about it, I would take that one hour and pray with God's people. So that it works in the favor of God's people and it, 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 it extends out to the world. The reason why some people will never come to church. Yes, I know that sometimes Christians don't behave like Christians. But the reason why some people have decided in their heart is because they cannot fathom why, you know, a child would die at the age of two or um, there will be storms that will kill people. Or even now, look at coronavirus, for, for example. Some people are like, why is God wicked? But God is not wicked. God is saying, I need somebody to stand in the gap. That's all I require of you. So before you point fingers or before you know you, when you meet people and say, you know, they can never believe in God. Why don't you think, what can I do to turn their hearts? Because when things begin, when they see the power of God manifest, no one will tell them before they say, I want to go to a church. But God is saying, I have appointed, you have received a privilege of a royalty. Then do your responsibility as a priest. So as we go into prayer, I know sometimes how diff I didn't realize it could be difficult to pray for someone given that I love to pray for people. But what I'm saying is I know that sometimes it can be very difficult where you need to express yourself in prayer. But as we go into prayer today, I want us to lay ourselves bare. And I want you to say, God, expose me. So that I know, see, it's, it's always so good when God exposes me. Because it helps you to be a better person. It makes your job as a Christian easier for you. So I want you to just take this to prayer and say, God, expose me. You know, the things that you know you're struggling with, this is the time to say, God, I, it is my desire to have a heart of an intercessor. But Lord, even as I pray that I am perfect in this area, I'm also saying, show me areas that needs working on. Reveal to me what needs fixing. Open up the corners of my heart that has been buried and I didn't realize the things that are wrong with me. You know that there's some Christians that are so convinced that their life, they're perfect. Because they're scared for God to expose them. And so they cover up and they say, you know what, I know I am a good person. But there's, if, if God should expose them, there's so many things that need fixing. So I want us to, you know, go on as, as Christians in, in the journey of our lives. Knowing that, Lord, everything wrong with me, I wanted to know it today. And I am leaving. I am leaving with a heart of an intercessor. Can we stand up on our feet, please? Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.